From Lawson Media, this is Building a Unicorn, the show exploring what it takes to build a big global business. I'm Christopher Lawson. Finding the right credit card or home loan, even the right mobile or internet plan can be a painstaking process. It usually involves looking up a bunch of different providers, getting quotes, looking for online reviews, or asking people you know for recommendations before you're then ready to make a decision. And if you're like me, sometimes making those choices can be really challenging. But today's founder built a global empire on making that comparison process simple. Fred Shabesta is the CEO and co-founder of Finder, an online service that allows you to compare products, get expert advice, and ultimately make great decisions. We compare things like credit cards, mortgages, insurance, personal loans, broadband, all sorts of things. And um, uh, we do that in um, 83 different countries around the world, Um, mainly focused, but our big offices are in New York, London, Sydney, Poland, Manila, and Toronto. Fred grew up on Sydney's North Shore, and as a young kid in the 80s, didn't have access to much technology. So he spent a lot of his time outside riding bikes or skateboards, you know, doing the things kids used to do before they discovered technology. The personal computing industry was only starting to develop, and it wasn't until later in Fred's childhood when his dad brought home a computer. And as someone who loved to tinker with things, Fred eventually started figuring out how it all worked. I just discovered how you could edit the code of, of and this is when games and everything was written in basic, um, way back in the day. Um, dot matrix printers, you know. My dad actually had a modem, and that was a big thing to have back in the day. And, you know, we used to connect to bulletin boards and things like that, and I never really understood exactly all that meant but I just explored it and I was always curious um, my dad wasn't a massive computers guy he just wanted to you know have a look at it as a as an experiment as a, as a thing eventually Fred started playing around with website development building things like GeoCities websites For those who don't know, GeoCities was huge in the late 90s as it allowed people to build their own personal website. He eventually branched out and started learning how to build more dynamic sites, sites that could import information from a database. I actually um, remember the night that I learned about databases and how to get like PHP to query a database and and understood that And, and building dynamic websites as opposed to flat websites. I remember that night and it was a big deal because that was the night that I failed my first exam because I was supposed to study because my exam was the next day. And instead of studying for my exam, I I remember consciously I said, I don't think I wanted to go and study that anymore. I was studying actuarial studies. I don't want to study that anymore. I want to build websites because I think this is more exciting and this is the future. As he moved through university, Fred started selling websites to clients on the side, learning whatever he needed to get the job done. It got to the point where he even rented an office space and went all in on his own business. It's a bit of a cowboy move, but um, and I just stopped going to university um, and I sort of did my last exam and then I kind of somehow passed that. I don't know how. Um, and I got enough points together 
And I just said, I'm done. I'm just going to graduate. Um, and I just went full time. You know, I stopped going to uni and which is great. You know, I love not going to uni because it just wasn't for me really. And then I got to just full time um, build a business, which, you know, I, I don't think I actually knew how to build a business at all. In fact, I definitely didn't. And I made every single mistake you could possibly make. Um, but through that process, I think um, that's probably the best way to learn. Right? Fred had a business partner who left to pursue other opportunities. And then in 2003, he teamed up with Frank Restusha. At the time, their business was mainly doing website development, but it soon started shifting to become focused on marketing. I learned how to, what marketing was all about and how to do it. And um, that was fantastic. That's, that's the moment in time when everything changed. That's when I learned about customers, listening to them, how people made ads, how people thought about campaigns, how they thought about their product. And how it meet you know met, how you get it out to the customer. It was a it was probably one of the, the best educations you could ever ask for, because building websites is one thing, but marketing them that is actually truly where it's at. And and marketing things is 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 quite an art in and of itself. A customer asked me once and said, "Hey, thanks for building this website." And then I said, you know, I asked them, "Hey, what else can I help you with?" What else can I do? Because building a website is sort of one-off. And they said, there's this thing called Google. A lot of people are using that. Can you get us to the top of that? And I said, I'll check it out. And I just went and, I went and started just like with my dad with the, with the computer or I just went and figured it out. Agency work can often go in seasons. And in early 2006, Fred's team didn't have much work to do. So they started building their own websites, spinning up a bunch of new ideas, launching these websites, and then marketing them to see what would stick. So we thought, hey, we've got all of these, you know, developers and things like that. Why don't we just, what are we going to do? Let's build some of our own websites. Because we know how to build them, market them. What else do you need? And, And that's where we planted, you know, we built a Mother's Day present site a Sudoku site, a poker site, because poker, you know, Texas Hold'em became big. And one of those sites that you built was Credit Card Finder. Right. Yeah, so Credit Card Finder was another one. And, and so we learned, you know, Sudoku sites can't really make money out of. Mother's Day presents only happens one time a year. One time a year. And poker came, was, was good, but it kind of died off a bit. We actually had a sports betting site as well. And we just thought, oh, don't really want to make money out of people losing money. And so all these... Sites made, made some money, a little bit of money, but Credit Card Finder had a real scalability to it. And so we really lasered in on that. Um, and we started, you know, writing guides and education. Um, and that's something, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about, empowering people. And writing these guides and curating the internet for decisions they needed to make and helping people. And from the back of that, people would then go off and, you know, they could, they could make a comparison. They could make a decision based on that. And was the site at that time, I mean, it was focused on credit cards. At the time, were you making money off the site or was it just like something to build? Yeah, we made a little bit of money. I remember, you know, I remember the first $80 and uh, I, I remember looking at the bank account. I actually have statements back in 
back in the 2006, you know, we made $200 in a month and then 300 and 400, you know, and at the end of, I think it was just like six months, we were making two and a half grand a month or something. Then, then we kind of parked it because uh, we sold the company and we did an earn out. And so we just put the whole thing on ice and it kind of sat there. But Credit Card Finder would eventually lead Fred to creating a new business. And after this break, Finder is born. In 2007, Fred Shabesta and Frank Rastusha sold their digital marketing agency. As part of the deal, they both had to stay around for a few years to wait out their contracts. In late 2009, both Fred and Frank were ready to quit their jobs and go all in on Credit Card Finder, and together with their third co-founder, Jeremy, they set to work launching their new venture. We, we paid ourselves $1,500 a month, Frank, Frank and I, and... Um, that's how we always are. You know, we always sacrifice ourselves in order to, because we don't, we didn't get any funding. That's the thing. You know, we've, we've sort of step by step, day by day, uh, work to, uh, put the money back into the company, but you know, take some out for ourselves as well along the way. And, and that's kind of how we've always treated it. Um, which is, is interesting, but yeah, we started and we went, moved into this little shared office and there was a barista and I think we drank them out of coffee. And then we were getting a bit much. I think it was like six of us or something. And then we were like, oh, we better go and get ourselves a proper office. So we, we moved into 99 York Street, where we are today. And um, we had this tiny little room, this little back room. And uh, it was uh, it was a great time. Jeremy at the time used to cook kangaroo steaks because he was into kangaroo and he was trying to, you know, he was into this, you know, this um, health program. And he'd cook the steaks on the George Foreman grill in the middle of the office without a kitchen. And it was pretty punchy, um, but it was, um, it was all part of it. You know? And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And when people came in to interview with us, you know, we, we had a tiny little boardroom. We had a whiteboard and we'd just tell people what it's all about. And they were like, hey, this is kind of cool. And some people joined us and they're still with us today. A lot of people stay, have been staying. We just had a 10-year celebration um, our second 10-year person and finder, which is, it's a pretty big deal. And how were you, how are you making money in those, in, in those early days when I guess you're still figuring out like what you want the product to be and what it's going to look like? You know, we were making some money. We knew what the kind of the product needed to be. We just needed to execute it more. Um, it was making money. We just had to make it better. And then we continuously just, improved the actual product and the way we marketed it um by you know we did more more marketing and we got more partners on board as we got more partners on board people got you know compared more credit cards and um you know the revenues went up with any new business you want to get the word out so fred and his team were doing everything they could to drive traffic to credit card finder They were doing traditional PR campaigns through news websites and television. They were buying ads. And a big part of their strategy was content marketing. 
that content was used to raise their profile on search engines like Google. The team was also using other SEO tactics that Fred says may have been a little great. But with time, those tactics landed them offside with Google. The, the tactics we've used over time have changed. And that's when we got, we pushed it too far a couple of times. We got penalized by Google. Um, that was not key. So we went to Google jail. So this was 2011 that you sort of plummeted down the rankings? Yeah. And there's a ninja sword that hangs in our reception that signifies the recovery. Um, but also reminds us of how sharp and careful we need to be about our tactics that we use because it can cut us as well. Like what happened? What what was it about what you were doing that sort of got Google offside? You know, we, we just pushed the limits, right? So we touched the... You uh, got to understand, um, grey hat tactics back then would uh, are extremely black today. You know, and that's what everyone was doing. Everyone was buying links. They were... You know, that's what they would do. That was just normal. And 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 Google said nothing. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't say anything against that. Now they do, but in the past, they didn't say anything. Um, so it was the wild west of the internet. You know. How did you deal with that? Like, what 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 did that process look like? Because I assume you'd be sitting around thinking, what do we do now? You know, with any problem, any crisis, like even, you know, there's, there's a bit of a situation going on right now in the world. Um, I think it's just about thinking about what's in your circle of influence and what is in your circle of control. So what can you control from here? So we just sat down and we said, okay, well, let's go and, you know, unravel what we've done and figure out what does Google want. And, you know, we had to go and fix the website for three months. And that was devastating. And then we had to go and, you know, re-engineer a lot of the things that we were doing um, and practices that we had in place and had to stop them. And, uh, yeah, we had to rebuild. We had to pivot and rebuild and make a real company and find other ways to, to promote Finder. We, had, we, we weren't called finder.com.au back then. We were actually still called Credit Card Finder. and. Um, so we didn't have a brand like that. And and that was kind of the time, 2013, 2014, when we kind of decided to make a brand. And that was that was really I think that was a big change. And that was that was the change that really sent us to the next level. Building one core brand allowed the team to consolidate all the various comparison websites that they'd launched. So the company changed their name from Credit Card Finder to officially become Finder. And that new brand and website allowed them to expand their offering and grow the overall business. And as the team expanded, they had to start thinking about culture. And culture is a really important point for every business. It's something we talk about in almost every episode of this show. So how did Finder as a team think about building an effective company culture? Culture inside Finder has always been something I've been very protective of. Um, And we have a pretty punctuated culture. Uh, inside, you know, about rocket ships and astronauts and winning and going live. 2012 is kind of when we started. We wrote down the values of Finder. And that really came um, from a process of asking ourselves, what do we value? 
what behaviors do we care about? And we wrote those down and they became, that spreadsheet still exists, but they kind of became the, the, the values of the company. Um, and uh, it's always been a big deal internally inside Finder, the, the behaviors and cultures and rituals that we have around those. And, uh, you know, we're always just trying to get better all the time. But um, it's definitely something which we, we we hold very dearly to us. And have those have those values evolved over time as your business has grown and you've become a bigger bigger company? Yeah. So we were, there were seven, and then we put them down to five, um, which was kind of interesting, right? Um, and um, that just made it sharper, and people could remember them more. And you know. It's kind of like what are the behaviors that happen at the back of values? When you write down values, I don't think you realize what actually it does. And then over time, it's become part of our decision making. It's it's a it's a real process, actually. I'd say values. Values are a they're a tough one. Um, and I think it's something that needs to be reviewed over time. And we're kind of probably coming up to that time again now. But um, you know. It's in the lexicon of what people say at Finder. They say go live. You know, they say up and to the right, UTTR. Um, they, you know, they say one crew. They say straight up. It's just these, they, they, the five values are just very strong and they're continuously echoing. And I think that's a good sign. That's a sign of a good, good set of values. And right after this break, Finder goes global. As Finder's audience and team grew, so did their ambition as a company. So in 2016, the team started expanding globally, opening their first international office in the US. And Fred decided to move to the US so he could be the one to establish this new international presence. And so I got on a plane in August 2016 and I went to the US. I went with um, Jeremy and Michelle, who's... um, She's been head of PR at Finder. We got an air little Airbnb in Chinatown. Um, and I, I, I was just there. I just came back uh, three weeks ago. And I saw it again. It was where we began. And, and we got a little, little office in Chinatown. And slowly crawled our way out of the primordial soup to be a startup again. Um, and in the grimy, filthy New York style, we, we clawed our way up. And uh, that's really when we, we began to really build a, a U.S. business. Then I went in January to the U.K. and we, we recruited um, John Osler, who's our U.S. CEO. And I ran the U.S. business for a while. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I rediscovered that I'm a, I'm a starter. I'm great at the beginning. That's where I, I'm really good. And after that, you know, the operational side, that's not my strength. Early on, 
you know, I'm, I'm quite good at that, but uh, like I'm looking for the next idea. I'm like the next unknown problem and, and, and continuously building that until it's ready to go. And then it's better if someone takes it over from there. One thing that you talk you talk a lot about, and I've heard, I've heard you mention this in several interviews, is building a phoenix company. Like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by building a, a phoenix company? Because pr- probably most people in the startup world know about unicorns, but what do you mean by building a phoenix? I don't want Finder to be a unicorn company. I, I like I, I want it to be a phoenix, and, and and what I mean by that is I want it to be. I admire companies like Sony. So Sony um, continuously reinvents itself. Back in the day, Sony used to make RAM. And actually, it's one of the reasons why Intel reinvented itself. And Intel used to make RAM. And then it it actually reinvented itself and became a a processor company. That's because Sony kicked its ass at making RAM. It was better. They're better at it. And then eventually, other companies, you know, formed up in Japan and they took over that market. Um, and then what Sony did was instead of grinding it out until margins got thinner and smaller, they actually reinvented them. They actually did a disruptive innovation and they made a Walkman. Now, a Walkman is very different from making computer RAM. And then Sony went and made mobile phones, flat screen televisions. Um, then they made a PlayStation. So... This idea of continuously reinventing yourself as a company, that's what I want Final to be. I want it to survive and endure forever. You know, I see, I think one day Finder will will die and our, and our job in Finder is to prevent that for as long as possible. And one way to do that is to continuously reinvent ourselves and become relevant um, as opposed to um, just, you know, getting one thing and trying to blitzkrieg it all around the earth in a as fast as possible with you know um and getting as much money raised as possible as quickly with valuations going up as quickly as possible and the whole thing being built on very unsure metrics um i wanted instead to build a great company that learns the hard grind and how to continuously reinvent itself when the polish has gone off, you know, and I think that's what I want to start from there and become great. On that point, I mean, how how important do you think it is for founders to focus on on creating actual like real revenue as opposed to just raising their way through the process of of building their business? I think all companies eventually have a, a moment when people ask themselves, no matter which investors, they ask themselves, investors will ask themselves and they'll say, when will this company actually make some money? You know, I think people are continuously asking that about Uber right now. Um, I think you look at the Afterpay after share price today, it's $13. It was $40 a couple of weeks ago. And... You know, yes, they've got a lot of customers. Yes, it's very hot, but eventually people are going to ask themselves, when will this company make a profit? That's a real company. And right now, that's not what um, is happening. 
So I think it's a lesson you can either learn at the start or you can learn it later. And I'm all about learning that now and going from there. What kind of shift have you have you had to make like in terms of your mindset in running a global business as opposed to a business that was just focused on the local market? Yeah, so whenever you see an opportunity, an idea, the next actual question now I ask myself is how globally, how, how does this apply around the world? And then I kind of unfortunately have to shut ideas down or tweak them to be global. And that's hard. It makes it makes the idea benchmark higher. You know, the the the, the bar is much much higher. Um, so it's not easy. Operationally, it's hard as well. Very hard to operate globally when you have such long distances. You know, I think if we were in the northern hemisphere, it'd make it just a little bit easier. Um, but Australia is in this this tiny little island in the bottom of the ocean that has its benefits, but it also has its cons, you know, in terms of no one else is really on your time zone unless you're dealing with in Asia. But other than that, you're actually in the complete opposite end from all major markets, um, which is uh, English speaking ones. That is it's, it's, which makes it tough. Um, But it's probably something that we need to adapt to and, and think about going forward in the future as well. At the time of recording, Finder had 310 employees across the business, along with another 150-odd freelancers. Fred is now even looking beyond the existing Finder product. They've launched Finder Ventures, which is about investing in new ideas, like a cryptocurrency brokerage service called Hivex. They are an ambitious company, which made me wonder, how do they actually measure success? I think it's about how many people we help. You know, how many decisions do they make on Finder? Um, we, we listen to our customer through NPS. We read the live chats. We um, get into the detail. Um, then, you know, we look at, hopefully over time, more and more, and more people are using Finder and they're finding a lot of value from it. Um, and I think as long as that goes up over time, I think it's, that's winning. You've got over 300 um, staff now in offices around the world, plus your remote team. You know, you're building this re- this really um, sort of global global brand. When you look at everything that, that you've achieved so far with Finder, how do you feel? I feel it's day one still. I feel we've only just begun. And uh, I think our method takes longer. I'm okay with that. I love being small. Small's fast and small's nimble. Small's beautiful. And I think that I definitely sometimes feel, hey, we've got, you know, this is a cool business. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then I always think about, for you know, just after that moment, I go, okay, now what do we need to do to make this thing better? <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that. Building a Unicorn is a Lawson Media production. 
You can find out more about the show at our website, buildingaunicorn.com. This episode was hosted, scripted, and edited by me, Christopher Lawson. Our theme music is by Nick Buchanan, and our artwork is by Andrew Millist. If you value the conversations that you're hearing in the show, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or even better, I'd love to hear from you on social media. Send us a message on Twitter, at buildaunicorn, and I'm at Christopher Lawson. Plus, if you'd like to get your hands on some great unicorn merch, head across to podmerch.co. We've got t-shirts, we've got stickers, we've got hoodies. You can find those all at podmerch.co. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.